Welcome to the Parent Guide to Education podcast with Emily and Paul Hughes. Today's guest is Amy Brewer and she is the Science Subject Advisor for OCR. Evening all and welcome to Parent Guide to GCSE. Um, we're here today uh, with something that I know you're going to find super relevant, if, especially if you've got kids in year 11 at the moment. So we've got to hear Amy, who is the Subject Advisor for GCSE Sciences and Applied Science for OCR. So lots of useful wisdom, I'm sure, to share with you. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm not too bad. Thank you very much. Now, that was a, a brief introduction. Could you just give us a little bit more detail about, um, how, I mean, how did you become a subject advisor for, for science? Where sure. did that come from? So I taught uh, chemistry and sciences for 15, 16 years. All of the subject advisors at OCR are ex-teachers. Um, and so I finished teaching in May and came to OCR in May of just last year. So I'm a kind of fresh newbie to the team and there's six of us on the GCSE and A-Level Sciences team and we support teachers um, across the country with how they deliver the GCSEs and A-Levels. Um, but we also work with the assessments team and we go and visit schools and give CPD. We help with exam reports and making sure they get out to people to read and offer advice from all the aspects of delivering the course um, through to examinations. Wow, so, yeah. a lot. So it's a lot. It's, it's a lot to do. Sneak preview. Are there any um, sort of changes afoot to uh, the science kind of curriculum? So it's not. To... It's not a sneak preview. Um, uh, I think Harry mentioned in the previous podcast that um, the GCSE physics uh, equation sheet is the full version this year, to just to get that tail end of the pandemic students to give them the, the last bit of support that they might need. We, we don't suspect that it'll be carry on next year, but again, watch this space and see what happens. But yes, yeah, so this year, one big change is that students will have a full list of all of the physics GCSE equations that they're going to need to know. There's going to be no reason to rote learn them, um, but it's handy anyway to get used to using them anyway. But yes, that's the only change that's coming in for this year. So spoiler alert, it's easy to have the, uh, the, the everything written down, but knowing how to apply your knowledge to those particular equations still requires a huge amount of hard work. In Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. So um, in, in terms of the advice that you can give, there are going to be parents who are listening and thinking, well, that's great, but my child's not doing OCR. How how applicable across the sciences? Is it similar to, I mean, my subject was maths and it was pretty much the same across the exam boards dependent on a few variables so similar yeah so it's very similar so all of the content is dictated by um, Ofqua and the DfE so all of the GCSEs have a very very similar uh, baseline of knowledge very similar assessment styles um, our papers are a little bit different from AQAs in certain respects so um, the gateway qualification uh, that the majority of students follow for OCR has starts with 10 or 15 multiple choice questions so they're all at front at the beginning of the paper um, whereas if you study AQA or even our 21st century qualification those multiple choice questions are kind of dotted around throughout the whole course in very similar that the GCSE papers will ramp up in complexity so they'll start off with um, low 
kind of standard level and then move up to standard and higher level depending on foundational higher tier so the last questions you do will be pushing up towards the higher grades of each of those papers so that's going to be standard for all of the science GCSEs and yeah there's still a six mark question level of response um, practical skills make up about 15 to 20 percent of the marks and mathematical skills make between 10 and 30 percent of the final marks of a paper so that's standard across all the GCSEs. So any advice from any of the boards will be very similar across them. Awesome. And, and what I'm hearing is if you start at the end of the paper and work your way towards the beginning, then it's just going to get easier as you exactly. go. Exactly. <laughs> get out of the way. So sometimes I've said that to students, um, more so with my higher tier students or my um, se separate science students, I might say, do you know what? Start with the long answer response if you want to get that out of the way or at least read it first so you can start kind of, uh, you know, it's it's dwelling around in your head. You're starting to think about how you're going to plan it. You can come back and flip forwards every time a spark comes. You can come and write it down as part of your planning. So sometimes I would suggest students do that. But um, we find that especially with foundation tier students and the gateway paper, because it's the multiple choice questions, they're instantly going and feeling like they can be accomplish some of the marks all the way through. So actually with foundation tier students, it's better that they start from the beginning. Yeah, it would worry me looking at the, the harder latter questions if it freaks you. Yes. Uh, you could. Some students would go into a head spin, wouldn't they? Yeah, so, definitely, definitely. Definitely, yeah, horses for courses on that one. Yeah. Um, one thing I was going to ask was, um, when, as a teacher, you, you're always going over the um, past papers, questions that you've got in your folder from, from yesteryear, um, there comes a point where students have seen them all. If they do OCR, you've been through it, you've done the last five years' worth of mm -hmm. Is it, I mean, I know that you just said the style of paper is different, but actually using different exam board papers is probably still completely valid for something like science. Yeah, totally. So um, the older papers, the previous spec papers are even then are still valuable. They, um, the content hasn't changed drastically. Small bits have come in, small bits have come out. So yeah, if, if you're using other boards, exam, exam questions, just because you need even more chances to practice, um, as long as, when you're looking at the mark scheme, you're thinking like an OCR student or like an AQA student when you're looking at the mark scheme, what would actually my board expect from that response? That would be fine. And something that, I mean, might not be totally relevant because we might have people uh, watching and listening who are parents of year 11s, but if we've got parents of, so our daughter's just made her GCSE options and she had the choice between doing triple science or single sciences, as they're known, parents get really confused about what's the difference between triple science or single sciences and all the different language that's used. You know, some board sure. things combine science and sometimes it's coordinated science and keeping track of them all, it hurts my brain. Sure. Um, and then obviously you've got the, the 21st century and you've got the gateway. Can you just give us a little bit of a guided tour of, of your stuff? Because that'd be really helpful, I think. Sure. So combined science papers, <clears throat> the combined sciences for students who possibly not going to be transitioning to A-level, although it's not impossible. It just means that because the separate sciences have got a slightly more topics in them, the gap between GCSE and A-level is a bit smaller. But um, the majority of students would do combined sciences or separate sciences. And schools vary that. So either schools select themselves, which students are going to be studying separate sciences, or students opt into it. Maybe they have like an interview process for them to be able to move into separate sciences. And again, it varies between um, whether there's an entry exam some schools do. 
Otherwise, it might be that uh, they the variation might be the number of hours in the timetable. So some schools will have fewer hours for combined sciences dedicated to it versus separate sciences. Sometimes you might have only two teachers teaching you combined science, so they will share the topics between them. Other times you might have a dedicated biology, physics and chemistry teacher. Uh, so that varies. So then the, the experience of, of studying those courses varies between schools uh, as well. In OCR, so the gateway science is uh, concept-led. So it's the more traditional sense of a biology topic, a chemistry topic and a physics topic. Whereas 21st century has more got of a story. So there's more overlap between them. There's more of an idea theme threads that, uh, that I, we call them ideas of science uh, from science and they thread through the concepts. So it's more co uh, context led than concept led. And then there's a variation in the number of papers. So if you did combined science for gateway, you'd do six papers, two in biology, physics and chemistry. Whereas if you did combined science in 21st century, there's one biology, one physics, one chemistry, and then a combined combined science paper where it's all lumped in together and it'll jump around between biology chemistry and physics the skills are still there the same kind of style of questioning is still going to be there um and that, that's similar to aqa so some of the other boards might have uh, uh the trilogy and synergy so that's the other ones that uh, usually students are uh, more, more usually students are following the trilogy than they are the synergy the synergy is that Exactly. There's a lot of words. So the synergy is a bit like our 21st century, where there's a story that maps through the, the concepts and it's more concept led than context led. And different different schools find their students uh, do better or worse with the different styles. So um, there's also fewer papers in 21st century. So a lot of a lot of centres prefer that. So they've not got to sit. Uh, we have so an hour and 10 minutes is the six papers each so that's you know that's a lot of time to be sitting doing exams but yeah so yes there is a lot of language but schools will choose what suits their students and what it what their teachers are able to deliver the best and to get the best results out hardest job in the world i think is an exams officer at the school to to work your way through all of that and make <laughs> sure everyone's put in for the right at the correct level it's yes, rocket you, science i think you sound lucky because i we um for our gcse toolkit we put together there's an exams timetable generated so you can get create your child's personalized exam timetable. Sure. so i have to go through every single exam board and put in every single exam and which one is which and and then we're doing a past paper bank so i'm having to do the same thing and yep. science i do curse it a little bit <laughs> every time i have to do that because there's just such such variety and so many different papers and so many options yeah well, i used to do um, bespoke um, revision timetables for for some of our um, clients and yeah. yeah the sciences it was everything it's so similar but everything's different yes so there, yeah there's no same description there's no same you know it, it was always something where i had to uh, think quite specific, hard yeah, yeah. <laughs> but obviously for parents the biggest choice is usually between do you do the the one that's worth two GCSEs or the one that's worth three which is yeah. the triple science of the single sciences coordinated or combined is normally worth two GCSEs yep won't get a choice about which exam board it is or which style it is because that will be something that schools will have decided for you so yes you as parents have to worry less about this yes just about whether they do three or two but thank you that was really helpful because we we do get quite a lot of questions about that and actually we also get quite a lot of questions about the grading mm -hmm. on 
the combined or coordinated science sure. that's worth the two GCSEs. Could you just talk us through that slide? Yes. So you get two GCSEs, as you said, and it starts with a 1-1, one, one, then goes to a 1-2, and then a two two, and then a two three, and then a <laughs> and so it, it moves up in increments like that. There's about uh, I was looking at it today. There's about eight marks between each of the grey boundaries between eight and and then yeah about six to eight marks between each of the grey boundaries. So you move upwards between the grey boundaries, and it means there's a, a broader spread than there used to be with the with the old A to to E grading system. Um, and that's what it will look like. So for foundations here, it goes from one one up to five five. For higher tier, it goes from strictly goes from uh, four four up to nine nine. But there is a little bit of a of a pad on the higher tier, so you can get a three just around. So it it and then below that will be a U grading for the higher tier. So one of the questions we get a lot is about tiering and whether students are on the right tier and, and, and how to make those decisions. And the, the, the guidance is if, if there is any risk of them missing out on a five because they're sitting the higher tier, then they're much safer on a foundation tier paper. Yeah, I mean, it must be, yeah, it can't, surely a school can't put a student in and end up with a U because on the higher, higher tier. It's that, very that rare. It's very, very rare. Very I think wrong. I looked up the numbers. It was something like 1%, 2% of the population that actually sit the GCSE exams end up being on a, or even less than that. It's about 1,000 students in the country who actually end up getting a U overall. So schools are much, much better at putting them on the right tier. Yeah. And often that might be because they've missed an exam for one reason or another rather than... Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. The um, parents, if it's if they get like a, a six, seven or a... Seven six. It's like a six plus or a seven minus. Yeah, it's like halfway between one and one and the next. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Can I just ask about the applied science? Are you talking about uh, Cambridge Technical? Was it? Yes. So that's for level three. So that's yeah. when you get to six four. So uh, with the what's the future of Cambridge Technical with um, tech levels coming in, T levels coming in, uh, there's talk that the Cambridge Technical or the B techs are going to be phased. Is that happening? Is that What's the what's the timeline? So the timeline for those is that the uh, a number of the qualifications will cease to be funded um, by the end of uh, July 2025. And so students will then move on to new qualifications from September 2025 onwards. Um, there's another phase so they're coming in two cycles. There's two waves of it going on. Um, it's any qualification that is overlaps too much with the T-level content. So that students are either taking the T levels or they're taking A levels with the new qualifications. They're going to be called alternative ac academic qualifications, AAQs, because we needed another acronym. Um, <laughs> so uh, a lot of the qualifications are being reformed. I'm working on uh, the science ones at the moment. So uh, our, we currently have applied science, which is either A level sized or it goes up to three A level sizes. So it's those qualifications that are bigger than A level are the ones that are looking to be reformed in the future so that is happening there's a, a timeline for that and they the, this first lot will start to be taught september 2025 okay it's just it's one of those things that's probably worth what having in mind as a parent if that's going to be your child's year group because i know as a teacher every time they change something even though it's minimal changes with maths I and mean, you will have had more with with ict and with business every, um, every year without yeah. even yeah. With minimal <laughs> changes you feel like 
you're having to then come up with new resources as the teacher but also there aren't the past papers to give them and yeah and so on which just makes life that little bit more complicated to begin with so, yeah yeah uh, it, it is it is tricky it's 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 the idea will be that students will have uh uh more of an opportunity to move on to university levels or into apprenticeships by taking these new qualifications uh, from September 2025 or T levels will hopefully do the same route as well um, I'm really excited about my new courses because we've got some really really uh, decent content in there that that I think students and teachers will really enjoy learning about so it's actually giving us an opportunity to take on all of the feedback that we've got from teachers about what they really want to be able to teach their students and the skills that universities are looking for and we've embedded them um, across the new, two new science qualifications so I'm excited anyway <laughs> uh, but for the current year 11s sure. as things stand at the moment uh, they, they, they're going to they carry on the opportunity to sit the applied science as normal so yes and they, they are great qualifications yes uh, whether they, you do the single or the double um, you know it was, it was always a very popular choice in my school yeah they're, they're going to carry on as, as they are until September 2025 they're not going to change awesome um, so shall we move on to some specific stuff in year 11's revising then because that's uh, that's the bit that's sure. uh, as we record this and as we we pop this on Facebook I don't know when you're listening if you're on the podcast but uh, we've just got less than 75 days to go until exams start now so parents are starting to uh, be a little bit worried I think yeah. well, students are starting to be a little bit <laughs> hopefully they're a little bit worried too <laughs> hopefully maybe um, <laughs> So yeah, in so, terms of preparation and things, what are some of the best things that students can do to make sure that they are ready for their science GCSE exams? So for year on. 11s, for year 11s, yeah. uh, I hope by now they're really familiar with whatever revision guide that they've been using in school. Um, if you if I'm talking to a parent right now and they've got year 10, that's that's when you really want to get those good habits built, built in. But yeah, if they've got a revision guide, stick with it. I, at the moment, it, it, you, you're familiar with it. You've used it really well. You've used it often enough that you're, you're, you understand the layout of it and it's easier for you to find the content of it. So stick with that. I wouldn't go out necessarily going to buy new resources unless you haven't got the, ex, the exam questions and quizzes that come with those booklets. Those would be really useful because retrieval practice is the number one or questions, exam questions, quizzing yourself is the number one way to get better at understanding a topic. So that's really, really key. <laughs> yeah, singing from our hymn yeah, yeah. um, <laughs> a lot well, of schools don't provide those um resources though it is something that parents have to buy sometimes it's ring fenced with pupil premium yeah um, but they are they are fabulous mainly because of the um the questions at the end or at the end of each yeah. each chapter so we've got uh, multiple choice quizzes on our website for OCR that students can use to help them with their revision as well. Um, as a teacher, I used to use something called PMT, <laughs> Physics and Maths Tutor. So they've got on their web page uh, by board uh, topic uh, centric exam questions. So if you're just looking at C1, they've got the topics, the questions that are associated with that topic as well. Some of them are a bit the older questions slipped in there as well to give you plenty of practice, but just with a health warning with those, but that's really useful as well. Um, I, I've, I've thought about asking the other subject advisors. So I work with two others, a physicist called Ali and a biologist called Bethan. And, and we've, we thought of a few other ways that we could help. So uh, maps from memory is a fantastic thing to do with your revision guide as well. And 
he suggested sort of putting uh, the full complete map on one side of the room and then running to the other side of the room to try and copy it out as much as possible and then coming back to check how well you've done that kind of look cover write and check technique um, to go with the mapping from memory um, and then revision cards so flashcards and revision cards are something that students often sit down to try to make or teachers suggest in parents' evenings that you should make, but they never usually give enough guidance about how to make them or use them appropriately. So with flashcards, um, what I would do is take, and this is something that parents should be modeling with their with their kids as well, get the, get the specification or get the revision guide, pick out um, a content list. What did one did I go for? I went for metals and hydrogen are formed at the cathode. So you look up that one thing, it goes on your flashcard. Maybe that's the thing about electrolysis is a really difficult topic in chemistry. So that's, that's why I've headed that way. Write that down on one side and then turn it over and model how to write a question that would retrieve that information. So then you've got a question on one side and a, the answer on the other side. So that's the first thing to do with the flashcards. The next thing to do would be to use the lightness system with those flashcards. So start to mark out or have little boxes or little piles on your desk of the question I got get wrong the most often, questions I get wrong least often, the questions I always get right, but I still need to keep them going in my head for retrieval practice. And it's about slipping those cards in all in that order and retrieving them in that order because it's really easy for kids to always stick to the topics they know really well and they own they feel comforted going oh I know this really well and then force forcing them with those flashcards to go to the questions that they keep getting wrong regularly is really really important um and then what I used to do with my mum, so my mum didn't have any science background at all. Um, um, so when I I would make those flashcards with the questions more for her, because then she could ask me the question and I would get, I'd, she'd have to just flip it over and get the answer as well. So um, that technique as well is really useful. But then as a parent, what I would do is follow up. Well, why does that happen? So looking up, so um, at the end of a statement, using the words because, but or so getting them to extend their answer so that they are explaining it to you in their own words which is another great technique in revision of you saying well how does that work rather than just going yep yeah, well done well done well done uh, you know come come back to that one another time but yeah that's a that's a really and using the revision guides to be able to do that is really helpful yeah and we always say asking genuine questions as well because Sometimes as a teenager, I think you feel like they're asking you to trick you and catch you out. But if you're asking like genuinely, like, I don't remember any of this, can talk me through it. Yeah. There's nothing better as a teenager than knowing more than your parents. It's just <laughs> the best feeling ever. So playing on that as well, to some extent, can help yeah. with their confidence. Because you're right, we hear the same thing time in, time out. Kids are going for the the things that they know quite well because it makes them feel confident mm -hmm. if they're revising and they always know the answers they get the same when they just read through their notes because it all starts to get really familiar and they feel like they know it all but yeah. when they then get tested on it it's a whole different ball game yeah so they've not been working on the tricky stuff so yeah some uh, excellent little nuggets in there I think. yeah so rereading your notes highlighting underlining genuinely the worst kinds of revision techniques but it's the one that all students come back to because they feel comforted by it um, and spending hours rewriting I used to have so many 
particularly girls, rewriting all their notes out with all of the different coloured pens and they'd come into school with all the different highlighters and it, it wouldn't improve their understanding very well because they didn't have a system that went with it. If you have a system where the colours are associated with concepts or challenging topics and things like that, then that's the colour that you remember. So, yeah, tr stay away from if they're copying stuff out and not summarising or turning it into a table or a diagram or a flow chart, then actually they're not learning from that process. Yeah, anything active is much, much, much better yeah, than definitely. anything passive. And it's horses for courses, isn't it? It's picking the right techniques that work for your child or yes. then picking the right techniques that work for them but yeah helping to nudge them in the right direction because what we get from parents is um but that's how I revised like yes that's how we did it when we were at school but we know so much more now about yes. how memory works and how yes. the brain processes things and so it would be daft not to use those it'd be a bit like going yes but I have always hand washed my clothes why would I want to use a washing machine well, duh, because <laughs> so yeah, um, I think there's a lot of important stuff there for students who maybe haven't nailed that yet, or for parents who are just out there not quite knowing how to help. Because again, it's it's tricky. Lots of so change. Another technique to go with that is the Pomodoro technique. So uh, that comes from the wind up tomato that you use in the kitchen. Uh, so 25 minutes on, five minutes off. Repeat that three times more and then have a long break because, again, what's usual with studying is someone will lock themselves in their bedroom and they'll reread and rewrite and, and copy out and they'll spend hours and hours where we know that they will only retain 20, 30 percent of whatever period of time they're revising. So making sure that you're being strict in how long they're actually revising is a good tip for parents as well, because it's it, it it won't be useful learning so whatever they're doing in that time it is going to be useful they give themselves that long break and then there's um a great website i found i'm trying to think of what i wrote it down i have my notes uh where did i write that one down so a great website by a lady called lucy parsons that's worth looking up and she's not only got how to use the pomodoro technique really well but she's got what should you do in those five minutes and what should you do in those long break times to give concepts of don't just go and sit on your phone do actually use that time very usefully do a bit do go for a little sprint do some pilates or some yoga and that and, trying to get teenagers to convince them that that's useful but again those good habits starting them now especially if you've got year 10 year nines coming up that's a really good habit yeah and it kind of goes with the, the spaced learning yeah. technique you have to do something different that challenges you in a different way so it's something physical like they, yeah. when they were training us on it they had us trying to juggle and trying to build things out of straws and all sorts of madness but it works yes really effective so yes yeah, absolutely so uh, talking about the habits to get into um as a left-hander and, and a former teacher my writing is horrendous um what's the exam board sort of take on on poor writing where the examiner can't read how does it work when yeah in fact let's go back to basics when the exam paper arrives on the doorstep of ocr how how does it get to the examiners because there's lots of different theories about uh, one paper will get split up. So one examiner will get all answers, questions one to three. The next examiner will get four to six, etc. Is that okay. how it works? Is So the paper's coming to us. Uh, they get chopped up and scanned. 
So uh, an examiner will open up their paper. They won't see the names or any of the other details on the front of the paper, but they will have all of the questions from that paper. Sometimes examiners mark question to question, depending on the subject. So they will do all of question once and they might mark 100 question ones and then move on to question two, or they might mark the whole paper. It depends on the um, the, the type of marking that they're doing. Um, so a tip for legibility, um, as long as it's legible and uh, examiners are really good because all of our examiners are ex-teachers most of the time, they're used to reading that language. If they have a problem, what they do is they send it up to the chief examiner and the chief examiner will have a look at it as well. So it's never, students are always given the opportunity to score as many marks as possible. Um, with, in terms of how they, how they write their answer, it needs to stay in that space where the question is being scanned. Because if it's in question 1A, it has to stay in the box for the question 1A. So that's the only thing in terms of students writing their answers on the lines within the space provided for that particular question, or it goes onto the extra space page that gets attached to the end of the paper. The other thing that we particularly have in the sciences is, um, and probably in maths as well, is showing your working out. So often we, we've, we're seeing more students do that now. It's really encouraging to see more students showing all of their working out, but they'll do a bit on this side and then a bit down the left and a bit down the right and they'll cross this out and, it, and then that becomes difficult for examiners to find the marks that they want to award. So just in that bit, take a breath, think about the answer and how you're going to stage it out so that it can be read and you score as many of the marks as possible. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, um, I'm familiar with the frustrations of trying to mark the chaos. That yeah, it's there. all the way down the left and there's a bit yeah. squeezed down on the bottom, but that bit won't be read if it trails down the side of the paper and then up the other end again. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm having flashbacks just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so in terms of kind of revision and making sure that they're ready for the exams is there anything else that we haven't talked about yet that you were thinking you would be useful to mention or have we covered it all so um uh, level of response questions is something that often people want to know more about and how to deal with um and it goes with the legibility thing so um in the last summer exam series, especially on foundation tier, somewhere between 10 and 20% of students didn't try the level of response question, depending on the paper. Um, and that's sad to see. It's and it's that's kind of been consistent through GCSEs anyway. We used to talk about you know, 25% of students don't attempt it. So in higher tier, it's much, much higher, which is really encouraging. Well over 90% of students will attempt the long answer response, the long level of response question. So it's really difficult because it's that big chunk of lined blank paper that you've got to fill in and and often that's really quite scary so some techniques to go with that is to remind kids and students that you don't have to write in continuous prose for science bullet points labeled diagrams comparative tables especially if you're comparing advantages and disadvantages of two different things having them side by side against each other actually makes the examiner's job really really easy because say there's a, a common question is about carrier bags between plastic and paper. 
or plastic and biodegradable materials. So each of the advantages against the cons side by side would make it really simple to, to write out. And then usually that at the end just needs a justification sentence. And therefore I think that this one is better because an energy summary. Um, so students forget that that's possible. And even with um, practical questions. So um, your previous podcaster, Harry, he was saying that usually the six marker is uh, practical questions it varies so in the last lot of foundation tier questions from the last summer only two out of the six papers had practical questions as their level of response question but for those questions a flow diagram with the practical laid out as a flow diagram would be absolutely fine so students shouldn't think that they have to write with continuous prose and bullet po uh, you know uh, connectives and Often what we see is students will start like an English answer, perhaps, and go, the reason why this one is the best is because, and we don't need that. Scientists want brief, sharp, short responses. Bullet points are perfect because actually that's how the mark scheme's laid out anyway. And you make the, the, the examiner's life a lot easier if it's laid out that way too. So, yeah, that's getting your kids to get over that hurdle of there's a really big space and what do I write is really important there's techniques out there called like uh, one called bug so box the command word underline the key ideas and glance back over the question before you start are really key techniques where you can just just start by doing that if you can't actually get to the answer at least that bit you can manage and then you start to brainstorm and label the question with oh I know that links to this I need to talk about these things oh that's a group one metal let me write that next to the name of the metal things like that it gets your foot in the door gets them actually just going on it so yeah that's the six mark question is kids don't like it and it's hard to get them over that but practice practice yeah, practice on those I used to find very much the same in maths. If there was a five or six mark question, they'd panic, think it was therefore really complicated and not try. Yeah. And my prompt was always, okay, so what can you do? What what could you do in this? Because even if they just pick two numbers out of the question and multiply them together, yeah. that might get them a mark. Yeah, definitely. You know, you're more than capable of doing that. So try something, anything. Yeah, even and you're not just, you know. You're what? not even necessarily aiming for the six marks. If you're yeah. aiming for three or four marks, then start to write things down. Don't think that because I can't get six, I shouldn't write anything down. It's just getting a few marks that are going to incrementally add to your final mark at yes. the end of the paper. And four marks or three marks is half grade boundaries. So. Exactly, exactly that. So you don't have to get it right. You just have to get it going. Exactly, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Fabulous. Right. I think I've done all, all my questions from this end. Oh, I have one more though. Sure. Any tips? As there are going to be a lot of students out there doing past papers in the run up to this. Um, obviously, I think science and maths are probably the easiest of the past papers to to mark if you're going from a mark scheme. Generally, for most things, because it is, as you said, it's it's quite like we just want the facts. We just want yeah. The, it's objective, not subjective. Whole, yeah. Yeah. So, are there any top tips for using? past papers and mark schemes specifically to be able to mark your work as accurately as possible? So our past papers are easy to find on our support hub. I would say that first of all, some of our web pages are designed for teachers, mm -hmm. but if you go to the support hub for OCR, they'll be able to find what's called our past paper finder and they can find those past papers mark schemes there really easily. Um, 
For past papers, I think actually just starting with one or two questions at a go, don't sit down and try to do an, you know, for separate sciences, the paper is an hour and 45 minutes long. Don't sit there and try to do the whole thing in one go. Do it in chunks. Get one question, one sorted, get question two sorted and then come back to it. So partly that Pomodoro technique of doing a bit and then stopping. Um, being really strict with the mark scheme, if things are underlined or in bold, because it's a key word that absolutely has to be in the response, don't go, oh, yeah, well, I was close. I was near to that. Be really strict with yourself. Um, and if you have not, have you, if you've missed that key word or key concept, that becomes your flashcard that then goes back into your pile. So that's really important is not just doing the past paper and marking it. But actually what reflecting on it, that metacognition process of reflecting on what have I missed? Where is the gap in my understanding or misconception that I've still got? Right, I need to make a flashcard, which then becomes something as part of a thing I always use. So we've got a few revision materials coming out on Instagram, on our OCR Instagram account with tips for a lot of the GCSEs and A-level um, subjects. And one of the ones I've put on there is making a toilet poster. Yes. So, they always used to laugh when I suggested it, but it's not just I'm, me, you see. It, it's not me. Not <laughs> I've never heard of that. So back home when I when in London when I used when I was growing up, the toilet seat was opposite the toilet door. So the top when a toilet door was shut, you could see the back of the toilet door. So any concept I was finding difficult became a poster or a large flashcard and it got stuck on the back of the toilet door and my sister used to have to learn it my stepdad used to have to learn it but it was there and that consistently uh, you know you are visiting the toilet several times a day especially when you're at home revising you're going to be seeing that, enough, as long as you're drinking enough and eating mm -hmm. enough um, you're going to see that technique that that poster a lot of the time and, and then rotating those so once you've got it take it down put up the new one so yeah Past papers, definitely. Mark schemes being strict, but anything you're not quite getting and you're, and you're being, you wish you could get that mark, that becomes the flashcard that then goes into your, your programme. Indeed. And post-its are great for that. And post-its as well. And I used to have it all up the side of my bedroom wall like as well. Do fall off eventually, they lose their stickiness. But you don't want to have them on there for too long, you see. But but the other thing is, you know, we've got phones. So I some of my best A-level students used to make their revision poster. They used to have a, a blackboard actually, and used to use chalk on their blackboard and make a little mind map on there. And they'd take a photo of it and they'd send it to their friends. So then it becomes a photo album that they can scroll through when they're traveling on the bus mm -hmm. or or whatever. Because uh, we, you know, paper just gets crumpled up, loses its stickiness, and you just, you know, get tea stains on it and all the rest of it. So, taking Every photos because you look at your lock screen more than you think. You uh -huh. do. So anything that becomes really difficult, and um, on the new um, iPhone iOS, your lock screen, your picture change can change. So you can set it so that your you set an album up, you set up your favorite photos, and it can change every time you refresh it or every hour. So yeah, definitely taking photos of any concepts that's come up is, is that is tricky is a bonus these days. <laughs> so well, that's definitely some ninja tips yeah. there. I think probably a perfect place to stop. I don't think we've done a podcast where we both sat there nodding quite so wildly. Yeah. So many of the and I just keep wanting to go, that's what I say. <laughs> Hopefully you found some really wonderfully useful stuff in here. I know we found it really, really helpful. There have been some great tips and a massive thank you. Amy, again. yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much. Welcome. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the Parent Guide to Education podcast. Please favourite or follow us on your preferred podcast app to ensure you get notified as each episode is released. We'd also be grateful if you could leave us a great review or rating. See you on the next episode.